0: Coming up on today's episode, how about the Miami Dolphins, boy? Finally, picking up a freaking win. It's been so damn long. Seven losses in a row. I was like, man, is this ever going to stop? We better beat the freaking Texans. And then Tua went down with the injury. They said Brissett was going to be the starter. I was like, oh my God, are the Texans really going to beat us today? That's what I said Sunday morning. Obviously, that wasn't the case. Dolphins pulled out a great win. It was sloppy. It was ugly, but they got the job done. <laughs> so I'm going to be talking about the entire game, letting you know my thoughts on that. Thoughts on Tua, the performance, who did great, what I like, what I didn't like. There's a lot of things to unpack. With That game was pretty much a roller coaster, so best believe there is a lot to talk about. And then I also give my prediction for the Ravens game, which is Thursday night on Thursday Night Football. I'm pretty sure you guys can assume what my prediction is like. But then after that, NFL prediction, of course, betting segment, of course, like we always do on this podcast, and then Miami Heat basketball talk is here for you as they continue to show out. How about the game last Saturday? Picking up the win against the Utah Jazz? I'm telling you, this Heat team is different. It really is. You guys need to start watching. If you're not watching, you're missing something special. These guys now have wins against the Bucks, the Nets, the Mavericks, the Jazz. These are tough teams. They're not beating easy teams. They're beating tough teams as well. Taking care of business, taking care of home court, Tyler Heros rolling, Kyle Lowry, we already know what he brings to the table. A lot of stuff to unpack with the Miami Heat and also looking ahead at their schedule this week because there's some more tough games to watch there's some more tough games that they have to take care of business and make a statement continue to make a statement they're getting a lot of respect nationally and i think they keep things rolling but we're going to be talking about that and a whole lot more all that coming up on the miami sports vibes podcast Welcome to the Miami Sports Vibes podcast. And guess what? Breaking news, everybody. The Miami Dolphins have snapped their seven-game losing streak and are finally, finally back on the win column. First time since week one. That's right, the Dolphins beat the Houston Texans 17-9, the final score. Hey, it wasn't pretty. But a win is a win nonetheless, and that is something that we haven't been able to say for such a freaking long time, and it feels great, honestly. I'm not even going to lie to you. It feels so damn good being able to go through a Sunday with your team winning the football game, go into work the next day on a Monday, on a victory Monday, and just have something to smile about because, honestly, it's been a shit show. It's been a shit show for quite some time. It's been a shit show for now what, the last seven, eight weeks, and we finally pulled through. We pulled through and got a win. <laughs> like I said, it wasn't pretty at all. <laughs> by no means at all was it pretty. I mean, total nine turnovers in the football game today, four turnovers by the Texans, five from our Miami Dolphins. There were penalties, there were fumbles, interceptions, I mean, everything. You you name it, <laughs> it was there. Muff punts, uh, Tip balls everything. Terrible. Bad coaching on both sides. Nonetheless, though, Dolphins won the game, and that's what freaking matters at the end of the day. Okay, those of you guys who don't know, Tua did not play this game because he had an injury to his finger and his middle finger was swollen, which was affecting him gripping the ball throughout warm ups. So he was set to be the backup just in case if Jacoby Brissett was injured, then Tua would come in. I would assume he would be handing that ball off majority of the time if that was the case, but I saw a picture of it. The finger was definitely swollen. So that, that knocked them out of the game. But I was upset, honestly. I'm not going to lie to you because I woke up Sunday morning and I was like, man, you know, just the fact that the Dolphins have an opportunity to win this game. They're at home. You can't lose this one. I mean, we're the way better team. Houston sucks. Like, come on. And I was just excited to see Tua, honestly, because everybody, everybody's rooting for Tua. Okay. Obviously, the way that the Dolphins handled the whole situation—you know how I feel about it—with the whole Watson stuff, the GM not having your back, the coach not having your back, the owner not having your back—and now that the deadline passed, and we know that two is on this roster for at least the rest of the season—so you think to yourself, what do I have to root for? You can't root for losses <laughs> because we don't have our our draft pick. <laughs> so our draft pick goes to Philadelphia. The more we lose, so. You can't root for losses. You can't root for no tanking. I'm not one to do that anyway. I don't really like rooting for my team to lose. It kind of feels weird. But with that being said, you got to root for wins and you're most likely rooting for Tua because how could you not? I mean, the kid is as humble as they come. He's a good guy. He never had a fair opportunity. He's been basically thrown in the fire since day one. And that's pretty much what I'm rooting for, at least. I'm rooting for Tua the man more than two of the Miami Dolphins quarterback you know I want him to have a successful career even if it's not here in Miami even if it's elsewhere I'm a big to a guy I'm a big to a believer I think he's gonna be the one now, I'm not trying to get too carried away here but what I'm trying to say is I was pissed <laughs> I was pissed the morning before the game like damn two is out now what it's like it- it's different I don't know how to explain it like, you go into that game and you win that game with Tua following the trade deadline, everything that happens, it just feels good. But knowing that Brissett was going to be the quarterback and Brissett was going to be the one under center, I'm like, damn, like, even if we win with Brissett, you know, being that we're one in seven, seven straight losses, it just doesn't feel right. Like, we should win regardless. It's just a bad feeling in my mouth. That's how I felt. But obviously, as it got closer to game time, it ended up being game time. And, that's when you become a Miami Dolphin fan first, and you realize, hey, I'm rooting for a damn win. Whoever the fuck is the quarterback, that's my guy for the day or for the week, and, and that's it. <laughs> Jacoby didn't do anything to impress me, by the way. Now He was terrible. He was flat out terrible. 244 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, one fumble. So that's three total turnovers. He got sacked four times. You could blame it on the offensive line, but decision-making, terrible terrible, terrible throws left and right. He got bailed out by some unbelievable catches from Mike Kosicki. And first of all, the Miami Dolphins really need to extend that man (laughs) because I swear if this Dolphins organization messes that up, (sighs) I don't know what's going to happen. Honestly, I don't even know how I'm going to react. I could tell you one thing though, I'm expecting it because that's all we do is just ruin shit and ruin shit. We don't do the right thing here, right? We're the Miami Dolphins, when do we do something right? <laughs> we'll see, but Mike Gesicki, tremendous game. Two unbelievable catches. He finished with four receptions for 54 yards. Texans had nobody to stop that man. I mean, let's be real. Who do the Texans have on defense? Can you name me any? Yeah, they're irrelevant. <laughs> okay, so Mike Gesicki was having a field day there. Granted, he only caught four receptions for 54, but his impact was, was felt throughout that game. Really, really timely uh, receptions from him. And Jalen Waddle, eight receptions for 83 yards on 10 targets. He also got it going. Mac freaking Hollins, though, three receptions for 22 yards, one touchdown, doesn't even give enough credit. You look at that box score, three receptions, 22. That does not give Mac Hollins the credit he deserves. He absolutely was a beast out there on Sunday, even on special teams. Mac freaking Hollins, that guy is, that guy's incredible, <laughs> all right, he's got the best hair in the Dolphins locker room, and he most likely, besides Mike he probably has the best hands, I mean, you think about it, who is our best receiver throughout the year besides Jalen Waddle, you know, I'm a Devontae Parker guy, but Mac Hollins has been more productive, <laughs> I mean, he catches everything, he's, he's really productive, Hauling in that touchdown today, he was big time. Our defense was big time. Emmanuel Agba got to the quarterback about two and a half sacks today. That's another one you need to extend. I actually thought they were going to move him at the deadline because I'm, I'm thinking we're going to rebuild or retool a little bit. But we held on to him. So if he's going to be here the rest of the season and he's you know picking up sacks, 2.5 sacks Sunday, and he's going to continue to do that, that's somebody you got to extend as well. So Emmanuel Agba, just constant pressure to the quarterback. And that's a recipe that we've seen all season from him. So. Really good game from him. How about Javon Holland with the interception in the first quarter there, right? In the goal line, interception, big time. I want to see a lot of things from him throughout the second half of the regular season. I want I want to see leaps from Jalen Waddell. I want to see leaps from Javon Holland and Jalen Phillips, who also got busy on Sunday as well with two total tackles. He got a quarterback hit in there. <laughs> I mean, hey, he threw up the U sign. Miami Hurricanes product himself, so good to see uh, Jalen Phillips get involved, and it just felt good to see a lot of these different guys kind of put their imprint in the game and come together, and finally, finally, finally pick up a freaking Dolphins win at home. Wasn't pretty, like I said. I cannot, I don't, please don't get mistaken. I'm not here saying, yo, don't let us get hot. We're back. Don't, (laughs) don't let us get hot. Don't mess with the Dolphins, obviously. Not pretty at all, but when you're a fan and you're watching this team and you're watching all these losses pile up and pile up week after week, you can't help but get excited for a freaking Dolphins win. I'm not saying we're going to the playoffs, but God damn it, we fucking won and I'm fucking happy. All right? So that's cheers to a good week or couple days, better said, as I'll get into that in just a bit. But overall thoughts, the Texans... All those turnovers, Tyrod Taylor, the Dolphins killer, three interceptions, one boneheaded one, which you guys, I'm sure you remembered. It looked like he was trying to go out of bounds and then throw it away. And then Jerome Baker said, oh, I'll take that. Got two feet in bounds and pretty much got the interception that ended up securing the W for the Dolphins. But one thing I want to say is it looked like the freaking Texans were just giving us the game. Like yo Miami we don't want this go take it like you want this interception here you go you know we don't want to pick up first downs and even with that the Dolphins still struggled to capitalize it's, it's ridiculous Dolphins scored seven points in the first quarter and then ever since then only 10 points the rest of the game yeah it was that type of game it was a struggle to watch but as a Dolphin fan you got to watch it. You know, you got to watch. And I'm not going to change the channel and put something else on. I'm a Dolphin fan till the day I die. So I ride with the team no matter what. But if anybody was not a Dolphin or Texans fan and was watching that game, I'm sorry. And you are a champ for, for watching this game, I'm telling you. But let's turn the page. And we're turning that page really quickly because in just two days, We have a primetime game, which should excite everybody, except it's against the Baltimore freaking Ravens. You guys know how the hell this story goes, right? Every damn time we play the Ravens, what do they do to us? Kick our ass and kick our ass bad. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what we did to the Baltimore Ravens, but they just, they don't even beat us off. They just destroy us. I mean, I'm talking. 20 points, 30 points. Like, damn, they don't take it easy one bit. And now they're coming to town following an overtime win against the Minnesota Vikings in thrilling fashion. They're sitting at six and two to play the Miami Dolphins, two and seven. Now the Ravens went to overtime. So maybe they're a little tired. Maybe the Dolphins could sneak them. Nah, I'm just kidding, man. (laughs) I don't see it. (laughs) Honestly, I don't see it as much as I wish we could put two wins in a row together. That would be lovely. I just doubt it. I mean, this is a team that's really physical and that has dominated us ever since I can remember, honestly. I don't even remember the last time we beat the Ravens. I think it was during the Tannehill era. But then again, I think it was a real sloppy game. I'm thinking it was like 16 of 14, some weird score, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. But it definitely wasn't an easy one. It was gritty, if anything. And that's kind of the type of game that you probably have to beat Baltimore with, which is a gritty game, You know, capitalizing on a turnover here and there, scoring points after a turnover, which we don't know how to do, but we'll see. The question mark remains. Will Tua play? Obviously, he has that middle finger injury. I don't know if he's going to play. I'm assuming that he's going to be limited in practice, questionable, and then I honestly think he's going to be ruled out because it's a quick turnaround. I mean, it's going to be very hard. If you can't play Sunday, turn around and play Thursday. I don't know what can change from you, you know, being 80% to 100. I just don't see it. Maybe a little bit like 90% instead of 100. But then again, Tua playing 90% for a coach and team that doesn't even have your back. I mean, I don't see it. And I wouldn't blame him, honestly, unless you're 100%. I mean, why the hell would Tua go out there and risk a re-injury <laughs> for this team, for this coach? mm I don't see it. I mean, two is a great guy, but he ain't dumb. Okay. So I don't expect him to be 100%. So I am going into this game thinking that Jacoby Brissett is a starter and we are fucked. Not sugarcoating nothing. This is going to be an annihilation. I think Baltimore comes to Miami, lights our asses up. I'm thinking 35, 10. Should I give us even 10? thirty five ten and that's me respecting the dolphins I mean the fact that I'm giving you ten points in the Ravens y'all better take that so I say the Ravens beat us down thirty five to ten unfortunately hey I'm ho- I hope I'm wrong <laughs> I'm gonna be watching the game just like I do every game rooting for the dolphins so I hope I'm wrong but I just don't see it the way we won was not impressive enough for me to say okay, we got a shot I think we have zero shot I mean the fact that we struggled to beat a Shitty team, you know, and also lost against a shitty team in Jacksonville. Even though they beat the Bills on Sunday, they're a shitty team. I mean, we lose to shitty teams, and then we can't even beat a shitty team convincingly. 17-9. I mean, if you saw the way the Texans played, a normal team would have beat the shit out of them. (laughs) Seventeen to nine just doesn't cut it for me. So unfortunately, I'm gonna pick the Dolphins to lose. But hey it's Tuesday right now enjoy the rest of Tuesday enjoy the rest of Wednesday because the Dolphins still won at the end of the day so make sure to keep those smiles on your faces because we got that quick turnaround Thursday night and then we can't even be excited about the win we just had on Sunday so enjoy it for these couple days and for now let's get into NFL predictions And we're officially on week 10 of the NFL season, and that is crazy to say. Thank God we have an extra week of football. We have 18 weeks instead of 17 for the regular season. We're now officially at that midway point, halfway through the season, going into the second half. This is when you pretty much know who's good, know who's not, know who needs to rebuild, know who needs a tank you pretty much get an idea of who those real teams are by now. And if you don't know by now, I don't know what to tell you. But you can probably get a good sense of who's a contender and all that. But for this stuff, I've been having a lot of fun doing these predictions and doing the betting segment. Obviously, the two bets that I gave you guys last week on the podcast did both hit. But I'm having a lot of fun doing this. So for the second half of the season, not only am I going to be doing something different, I'm going to add something to this, okay? So I'm going to start keeping record of my wins and losses with the straight picks. I don't know why I haven't done that yet, but I'm going to start to do that, trying to add some more fun to this stuff. And also, I'm going to be giving my picks against the spread as well. So we're going to do two different things. I'm going to start tallying my record and then also giving you my record against the spread, seeing if I like a team giving up the points or if I like another team to cover with the points whole lot of fun because I need to I need to spice things up. Obviously, my Dolphins are 2 and 7. I need more things to get myself excited about with the NFL and I'm an NFL junkie. Like any freaking game, I'm watching it. I don't care how bad the teams are. I just love the NFL, so adding some extra spice to these predictions, why not for the second half of the season. So, we're going to get started right away. That's what Thursday night football. It is a six and two Baltimore Ravens taking on the two and seven Miami Dolphins in Miami. Baltimore is favored by seven points. You know who I'm picking on a money line perspective, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. No doubt in my mind. I don't see the Dolphins winning this game. As far as the seven goes, I think the Baltimore Ravens smack the Dolphins. So I will be laying the seven, and I will literally take. Baltimore minus seven, and that is with Tua or without Tua. Either way, Ravens have a ton of success, so I'm going to be marking that down. Now, Sunday, one o'clock, game start. Atlanta Falcons, who are four and four, taking on the Dallas Cowboys, who are six and two. Dallas, how about Dallas? I mean, losing to Denver at home with Dak coming back? Really? They lost a lot of people money, and it's crazy because Every week, you seem to have that team where the underdog just wins, and it's like, damn. This time, there was a couple, but that one in particular, I really, really think they lost a lot of people money. But for this game Sunday, Dallas at home, taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta, uh, no, sorry. Dallas is favored by nine points, and I'm going to say Dallas wins, but, hmm, I'm going to say Atlanta covers, okay? I'm going to pick Atlanta plus seven against the spread, and I'm going to take Dallas to win the game outright. Next on the board, the New Orleans Saints going to Tennessee to take on the Tennessee Titans who are rolling right now. I don't have the spread at the moment. I don't know why. I doubted to pick them, but since I don't have the spread, I can't pick a game for that. Actually, you know what? Whatever it would be, I'm pretty much taking the Titans with points. I don't like what the Saints have with Trevor Simeon under center. I don't like them at all. So give me the Titans and give me the Titans with the points as well. And next on the board, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars. How about the Jags? Picking up a win against the Buffalo Bills. That, that shit just hurts Dolphin fans. Like We lose to the Jaguars. We lose to the Bills, but then the Jaguars beat the Bills. It's like, how the hell does that happen? Six points for Buffalo. They put up six points. Damn it. Crazy how the NFL season goes. But the Jaguars are taking on a division opponent. That's the Indianapolis Colts, who are four and five. They're getting ten and a half points. The Colts are favored by ten and a half points. That's a heavy line right there. I'm gonna say the Colts win this game but I am going to take Jacksonville plus the 10 against the spread next on the board. I'm extremely excited for this one right here. The Cleveland Browns who are five and four, picking up a huge win against the Bengals. They needed it to stay afloat. That division is getting really, really crazy. That division is going to be something that's going to go down to the wire, but they're taking on the five and four New England Patriots in New England. New England's favored by two and a half points, and New England is starting to kind of make some noise. They're quietly making noise, but they're there. If you pay attention, I mean, Damian Harris is starting to get things rolling, and the Patriots just find a way to stay in games throughout every single matchup. They just stay in it. Whether they win or lose, they don't really get smacked. So I am going to say that the Patriots beat the Browns, and that's because they are home. So I'm going to lay the two and a half, and I'm going to take the Patriots on this one. Next. The Buffalo Bills, 5-3, and three, going to MetLife Stadium in New Jersey to take on the 2-6 and six Jets. Buffalo is favored by 13 points. It's a huge line right there. But Buffalo is capable of smacking the Jets. I mean, they've done it time and time again. They've done it to the Dolphins. They've done it to everybody. Do we really think that the Bills are going to have another bad performance offensively for three games in a row? They got to be pissed by now. Two bad offensive performances in a row. Look for Buffalo to get back on track. Give me Buffalo Lane 13. I know that's a heavy line, but I'm going to say Buffalo wins by more than 13. And obviously they win straight up. Next, the Detroit Lions at 0-8 taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers are favored by nine points at the moment. Pretty big line. And it's crazy because sometimes the Lions play teams like tough and then Whenever you think the Lions could win a game or could cover, then they get smacked. So it's kind of a hard team to really, you know, get a grasp on. But I'm going to say the Steelers win this game, and I'm going to say that the Lions cover nine points. So give me the Lions plus nine, but give me the Steelers to win the game outright. Next, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Coming off a bye week now. That's a scary team coming off a bye week. They're six and two. Taking on the two and six Washington football team in Washington, Tampa Bay's favored by nine and a half points. Remember, these two teams played in the playoffs last year in Washington, and it was low key, kind of close throughout the entire game. I don't know if they got something on Brady. It'll be real interesting to see. Give me the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win straight up, and give me the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win by nine and by more than nine and a half. So, Tampa Bay minus nine and a half. Give me that as well. Next, Carolina Panthers taking on the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona, red freaking hot, even without Kyler Murray. The ability to still win a game and James Conner just getting touchdowns after touchdowns. Their defense is balling. 8-1. When is this Cardinals run going to stop? I don't think it's stopping. These boys are for real. Give me the Cardinals to beat the Panthers and beat them by more than 10. So. I'm taking Arizona, laying the 10 points. Next, 4 o'clock games. Here we go. Minnesota Vikings, 3-5, and 5, losing a heartbreaker. They're taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers are 5-3, and 3, just beating the Philadelphia Eagles. They're favored by 2.5 points. You know I'm riding with that. Give me the Chargers to win and laying the 2.5 points. That's probably going to be a best bet. We'll go through that in just a bit. Next, Philadelphia Eagles three and six. They're slowly, slowly falling flat in that division as Dallas just has a crazy lead over everybody there. Eagles three and six taking on the Denver Broncos who are five and four. Big win against Dallas as I talked about earlier. Denver's favored by two and a half points. Give me the Broncos to win this game, and I'm also gonna lay the two and a half as well. Seattle Seahawks. 3-5, and five, coming off a bye week, taking on the Packers, 7-2. and two. Jordan Love did not look good at all. I'm not sure if Aaron Rodgers is going to be clear to play, but I'm pretty sure Russell Wilson will be clear to play. Okay, so if I'm not mistaken, Russell Wilson is going to be back and is going to be activated for this game in Lambeau Field. Right now, Green Bay is favored by 5.5 points, even with the uncertainty with Aaron Rodgers. That's something that I would probably try to grab early. We'll talk about that in just a sec. But give me the Seahawks plus five and a half and give me the Seahawks to win this game. Coming off a bye week, they need to win the win They're three and five in that crazy division with the Rams and the Cardinals just balling out. Seattle needs a win. Coming off a bye, give me the Seahawks and give me the plus five and a half. Next, Sunday Night Football. This is going to be a treat. The Kansas City Chiefs, 5-4, taking on the Raiders, who are 5-3. Kansas City is on the road, and they're favored by 2.5. And they looked awful. They looked so bad this season, even when they just won. They put up 13 points against the Green Bay Packers at home. I don't know. I mean, the third place in their division, this is going to be a huge game. But the fact that they're favorite and they're not even at home and the Raiders play them tough. I mean, they really know how to play them. Mm, this is a toss up here. This is a toss up. Do I believe the Chiefs? I'm going to go ahead and take them. Give me the Chiefs to win the game. And I'm going to lay the two and a half. I think the Chiefs win a close one by three, but I'm not extremely confident about that at all. That can go either way. And then Monday Night Football, 3-5, and five 49ers are at home taking on the 7-1 and one Rams. Wow. Well, I'm recording this before the Sunday night game. So assuming the Rams, I think that they're down big right now. They might lose that game. So I don't think the line will be too crazy here being that the 49ers are at home. So give me the Rams to win, and I'm also going to lay the points. As long as it's not over 14 or something crazy, which I doubt. So if it's 10 or something like that, give me the Rams to win the game on Monday night. And let's see how it goes. Let's see how this goes against the spread. Let's see how I do with the record now. We're going to be keeping tally. Let's see how it goes. I'm excited for this. And now for the betting segment for early lines that I want you guys to keep an eye on. Last week, I told you guys I was taking a teaser. I was taking the Chargers minus two and a half, I believe it was, and I whatever it was, it was Chargers with the points, and then it was also Green Bay getting points. I put that in a two-team teaser, and that cashed out big time. That was a good, good call. Later on, Aaron Rodgers did have the COVID thing. I didn't know that when I was recording the podcast because it didn't come out yet. But even with Aaron Rodgers getting that, I still felt good with the Green Bay Packers getting a lot of points in Arrowhead. So I ended up getting the Packers, I believe it was at plus seven. And then the Chargers were minus one and a half. So both of those two absolutely hit. So we're, we're rolling. We're doing big things. So 2-0 and last week with the bets. And let's try to keep things rolling. So a couple lines that I'm looking at that I really, really like so far See, right now, some are changing. One I'm keeping an eye on is the Patriots minus two. Like I said, Patriots are in every game. Every game is close. The fact that they're at home, they're in Foxborough, you could get them at minus two. I like that. You know, I like that. I really do. I really think that's a smash, something to keep an eye on. And another one that I really, really like is the Chargers minus two and a half. They're at home taking on a bad Vikings team. Obviously, the Vikings are going to try to bounce back. And it's like every time somebody is so out on the Vikings, they come back and sneak you. But for some reason, I just really, really like those lines right there. So let's say you put them in a parlay, which I'm probably not going to do. I'm probably going to take these both straight up. But if you put the Chargers minus two and a half in a parlay, that's minus 115 on FanDuel with minus two in the Patriots. Right there, that's plus 256. I mean, if you want to get crazy with that or put on both money lines, because the fact that those spreads are so low, you can probably get a good payout if it's, you just take the straight up money line, like Patriots to win and Chargers to win. Let me see what that is right now as I am looking this up. And it's Chargers will be minus 138, and the Patriots are minus 130. Both of those in a parlay, that's plus 205. However, I'm going to be doing these straight up okay i'm gonna see how it goes throughout the week if there's any injuries obviously i'm gonna pivot somewhere else but those are the two lines that i would suggest you guys to keep an eye on and let's stay hot hopefully i can stay hot hopefully we can get things going hopefully you guys are making a lot of money this nfl season and let's see how this goes So the Miami Heat have been rolling. They're continuing to roll. They're just beating teams left and right. The bigger the challenge, the bigger the moment, the bigger the nationally televised game. These guys all step up for the challenge. Everything that we've talked about in previous episodes continues to be a thing. And that's something that's very important because in the NBA, it's all about consistency. Okay, we know people can get hot. We know people can get cold. You know, winning streaks happen, losing streaks happen, but when you're able to stay consistent with what you do, top to bottom, the whole roster, when everybody knows their role, you can be a scary, scary bunch, and that's exactly what I see with this Heat team. Right now, at the moment I'm recording this podcast before the Denver matchup here, we're seven and two. I mean, seven and two and rolling, literally at the top of the Eastern Conference, everybody's respecting us now. You got it on ESPN. You got Stephen A. saying stuff. You got Richard Jefferson saying stuff. You're seeing all these different tweets from different people all of a sudden starting to give us that respect and starting to realize what we're really about. But this is nothing new to Miami fans. This is nothing new to us. This is what we expected. This is what we basically, we, we practice to be this kind of team. The whole Heat culture, all that stuff. Like We say that about ourselves because this is what we do. We're that culture, basketball team that's going to get in your face, it's going to work hard, not going to give up, and get up for any freaking challenge. And I remember last week on my podcast, I let you guys go right before that Dallas Maverick matchup, and we ended up winning that game. It was a primetime game. We took that win 125 to 110. That was fun. Anytime you get a primetime matchup where the national audience gets to see us, a couple of buddies of mine texting me saying, yo. The Heat are for real, man. I really see you guys can come out the East. I told them, listen, it's early, but I'd be kidding. I'd be lying to you if I said I'm not excited. Okay, you you talk about the top of the Eastern Conference, right? You're looking at Philly. That don't scare me. You're looking at Milwaukee. They don't scare me at all either. I know they beat us 4-0 and they're not healthy. You know, they beat us 4-0 last year in the playoffs. But just this team, I say it time and time again, this team is different. You get that vibe. You get that feeling that you haven't had in so long. And that's why I feel that way. Who else in the East? Brooklyn? Brooklyn does not look good right now. Their record is okay, but they've beat bad teams. They've lost those big matchups on primetime TV, like the one to the Bucks. They lost to us. And I can't remember off the top of my head who else they lost to, but their wins are not too impressive. And James Harden barely can even score 20 points this season. Foul calls are not going his way. That's obviously something that he leaned on heavily over the years. So Brooklyn doesn't scare me. We know the the situation with Kyrie. We don't know if he's gonna come and play or not. So when you think about it, like who else in the East can you tell me that we should be scared of? To me there's nobody. There's nobody. I know Washington's improved, they're playing well. Cleveland's playing well, but that's kind of flukish, right? We don't really believe Cleveland is gonna stick around and the top eight seeds in the Eastern Conference, right? Toronto's doing their thing. Then what else you have? Atlanta, they're not doing too well. And the whole Atlanta thing is weird because that's a team that I personally expected to be probably top three, top four. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe a trade needs to happen. Maybe they need to trim the roster down because they have a lot of depth. But sometimes too much depth isn't really good because you're trying to fit all these players in and trying to give everybody minutes. You know, everybody has to stay happy. And that's tough, especially in the NBA where the ego, like so many people are so, you know, they think they're better than what they are and people are not willing to accept roles. That's funny that I mentioned that, right? Because you don't really see that or hear that with the Miami Heat. And anytime somebody does have a problem with their role, they're usually on their way out of here, aka Hassan Whiteside, aka Dion Waiters. Like we don't play that stuff here. And that's one thing I love about the Heat team is that we're, we're a stable organization, unlike the Dolphins. We stay true to who we are, and as an organization, as a team, coaching staff, ownership, like the list goes on and on. You know exactly what it means to play for the Heat. You know exactly what's a Miami Heat type of player. Like, it, it, it's a given. So back to the game, obviously, really impressive win last Tuesday against the Dallas Mavericks on primetime TV, like I talked about earlier, 125 to 110. It was fun to watch. Obviously, Jimmy Butler had 23 points, six assists, six rebounds. Bam Adebayo was 22 points and 13 rebounds that game. And Kyle freaking Lowry, who's had a hell of a week this past week, he had 22 points, nine assists, five rebounds, shot seven of 10 and six of nine from three. This guy is the real deal. The Kyle Lowry effect is real. Anybody who watches it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I said last week on my podcast, I said, listen, Kyle Lowry's impact, you're not really going to see it on the box scores. You're not going to see that 20-point game and all this stuff just because he's able to do so many little things that you can't even account for. But hey, put up 20-plus against Dallas and had a hell of a week this week. So clearly it's showing up now. It's showing up on the box score, but same thing. If you watch the game, you know what I'm talking about. After the Dallas Maverick game, we did have a matchup against the Celtics. It was a game at home. Celtics were playing on the second night of a back-to-back. I felt really confident about this, but we ended up taking the loss, and it was a bad loss at that. We only put up 78 points. They scored 95, so we lost 95-78. to That game was a total shit show, honestly, Like from beginning to end. We made a couple late runs because this team doesn't give up, but we couldn't really get over the hump. And if you look at the whole box score in that game and, and the team stats, it was, it was a mess. I mean, 18 turnovers, that's not a recipe to win a game at all. We shot 68% from the free throw line, 22% from three, 34% from the field, just these numbers, like just bad, bad numbers throughout. And we couldn't get out of it. Sometimes I, you know, I thought we would come back, but it was a total toss away, toss away game for sure. But I didn't put too much into it because at the end of the day, that was our second loss. Our first loss with Kyle Lowry, and it's a long season. Okay, you're not gonna go eighty-one and one, eighty-two and zero. You know, seventy-nine and three. You're not gonna do that. Okay, so losses are gonna come, and people are gonna struggle, and that doesn't matter. You know, because you're able. What you're able to do is just bounce back. One thing I love, love to look at. I don't like when a team loses. I don't like when a team loses two in a row. So after that loss, I'm looking at the bounce back game already. I'm not one of those that it's just going to, you know, not seasons over, but, oh, I'm so pissed we lost. I can't believe we lost. No, I'm a guy that's realistic. Okay. At the end of the day, you're not going to win them all. Some losses happen. Sometimes you can't shoot. Sometimes you struggle shooting. I mean, Tyler Hero was three for 11 that night, six points. All right. Do you really feel like he should stop shooting? No, he's a streaky shooter. He gets hot. He gets cold. Like, he has his role. He's going to have to shoot out of that. That's going to happen. So a lot of people were down on Tyler that day that I saw on Twitter. A couple of my friends were like, oh, what happened to Tyler Hero? You know, they're poking jokes at me. But that's going to happen when you're a sixth man. That's going to happen when your objective is just shoot the ball. You know, you get hot, you get cold, but stay true to yourself because the buckets are going to come. And what exactly happened the next day? Well, the next game, the buckets came back. <laughs> and that was the matchup against the Utah Jazz on Saturday night in FTX Arena the Heat picked up that win 118 to 115 and that game was so fun to watch i'm telling you that donovan mitchell kid is special he put up 37 points 7 assists shot 14 of 28 the dude is serious and we had that game wrapped up within like the last like 6 minutes of the game all of a sudden, Utah went on a crazy run. It was like a 17-3 to 3 run or 20-3 to 3 run, if I'm not mistaken, and kind of had us scared for a minute there. And Donovan Mitchell did have an opportunity to tie the game at the buzzer. Went for a three-pointer. It looked good. Of course, my heart dropped, but... It didn't go in, and we pulled through with the win. Big win. You know, beating a team like Utah, like, that's serious stuff. (laughs) Check out the stat line. Jimmy Butler, 11 for 15 from the field, 27 points, 6 assists, 3 rebounds. Jimmy Butler, honestly, I love this Jimmy Butler. I don't know if I said it before, but I really love how Jimmy Butler is looking for a shot more. He's attacking the basket more, getting to the free throw line, and he's not too worried about passing the ball and getting other people involved obviously racked up six assists, so you're like, what do you mean? If you watch the game, you know what I mean. Like, There's more of an aggressive mindset in Jimmy Butler, and that's something that's so exciting. That's something that I wanted to see this season, and hey, that goes by having a guy like Kyle Lowry. Speaking of Kyle Lowry, he chimed in as well. 8 for 11 from the field, 3 for 5 from 3, 20 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists, triple-double for Kyle Lowry. I believe that was his 19th triple-double of his career. First as a Heat, So very nice to see. I freaking love Kyle Lowry, man. I cannot say it enough. Bam Adebayo chimed in. Six assists, six rebounds, 17 points. He was 7 of 12. Tyler Hero, 11 for 18. Six of eight from three. 29 points off the bench. The kid is continuing to stay hot. But you look at this box score and you look at the result, which is a win. A three-point win over a tough, tough Utah team. Had Donovan Mitchell drop 27 and you're still able to pull off a win? behind those great stats, this is fun. This is fun. It's literally fun to watch the Miami Heat play basketball. Every time a game's finished, I'm like, damn, when they play again? When they play again? You know, Monday, Wednesday, oh, we got a day off. Man, I kind of want to play a back-to-back, but I don't because I don't want the guys to be too tired. But what I'm trying to say is that watching this Heat team play and come together is just so damn fun. The roles that everybody plays in we we talked about this last time. Okay. We know the team. We know what they can do. We know what PJ Tucker brings. We know what Morris brings. We know what Hero can do. But like I said, the consistency is what matters. Ability to bounce back after a loss against a tough team. This team is for real. And if you guys aren't watching, you guys are missing out. You better start watching now. Like I said, they're at the top of the Eastern Conference. These wins are no joke. <laughs> Look at these wins. You beat Utah. It's a tough team. You beat Dallas. They have Luka, probably the leader for MVP right now or, you know, best player in the game. What's in it? He, he's in his third season, I believe. Like, we know what Luka is. So you're able to beat Luka in Dallas, okay? You beat Utah. You beat the Nets with James Harden and Kevin Durant. You beat the Bucks who eliminated you in the playoffs last year. Like, these are big wins against big teams, (laughs) and it's only going to get tougher. So if nobody believes in us now or thinks it's a fluke, which it obviously isn't, tune in. Tune in, because we got some very good games to come, and that's starting Wednesday night, tomorrow night, with the Heat taking on the Los Angeles Lakers. Lakers don't look too good right now, but nonetheless, playing in L.A. against the Lakers team, you never know. Westbrook could pop off. A.D. could pop off if he plays or if he doesn't play, because we all know he's soft, but that's neither here or there. Nonetheless, you're going to see us. ESPN primetime at Los Angeles. Then after that, back-to-back, we play the Clippers. That's also a tough team. Even if they haven't played too well, they still got a guy like Paul George, and we're playing on the road, second half of back-to-back. We're going to be tested. And then Saturday night, the rematch of last Saturday, against the Utah Jazz, but this one is in Salt Lake City in Utah, so they're pissed off. You know they wanted to beat us. They take games very seriously. They're well coached, so I expect them to absolutely bring it. That's going to be a tough game. But let's see if this Heat team could keep things rolling, keep that consistency going, keep everything just let it play out. You drop one game, make sure you bounce back and win the next one. These are the things that I'm looking forward to watching. Tough, tough matchup again. Tough, tough matchup ahead this week, and I'm just freaking excited for it. Guys, if you're not watching Heat basketball, what are you doing? Take a break from the Dolphins. It's a lot of stress over there. And it ain't too much stress watching the Heat. All right, so that's a wrap. Episode 43 in the books. Thank you so much to everyone for listening to the podcast today. Miami sports winning. I mean, damn, it's about damn time dolphins get a win the heat are rolling just is that a positive week for miami sports we ain't dreaming ladies and gentlemen it happened i hope you guys have a great week also to anyone that doesn't know we are on youtube now so you can search up miami sports vibes on youtube and subscribe to my youtube channel i'm putting out content every week from now on you'll get some dolphin stuff you'll get some heat stuff a whole bunch of more things that i will be sharing with you guys so make sure you subscribe to the channel And make it a great week, guys. Once again, thanks for listening to the Miami Sports Vibes podcast with Nando Diaz.